the average iPhone user touches their phone 2,617 times a day. A day. 2,617 times a day. And this is from a study conducted in 2016. So who knows how often we're touching our phones in 2020, 21, we're in lockdown. If you watch The Social Dilemma, the Netflix documentary about the impact of social media, you know the frightening conclusions. The more frequently we use social media, the more likely we're going to grapple with mental health, anxiety, depression. Social media is designed to be addictive. In that documentary, they talk about neuroscientists who compare social media to uh, when you interact with social media, it's like having a syringe of dopamine injected straight into the system. Dopamine is that drug, uh, that chemical in our brain that brings happiness. And interaction with social media is like an injection of that into our system. Nir Eyal, who wrote a book called Hooked, he's written a number of books. He has taught at Harvard Business School and he teaches on marketing. He says this in the introduction to that book, Hooked. He says, 79% of smartphone owners check their device within 15 minutes of waking up each morning. Guilty. 79% of smartphone owners check their device within 15 minutes of waking up each morning. And then he goes on, he says, perhaps more startling, fully one-third of Americans say they would rather give up sex then lose their phone. We have a problem. Social media, our phones, they aren't inherently evil. We're thankful for them. There's great things that happen from the connection on social media. But the reality is that we are an incredibly, willingly distracted people. And I start with me. You do not want to follow me around in my distracted days. You don't want to live in my distracted brain. And I want something different. How about you? Something deeper. I want to be present. I don't want to be distracted. I want to be present with the people in my life, my family, my friends, my coworkers. I want to be present with Jesus. And so that's what I want to talk about today. Let me pray, and we'll dive into this. How do we move from being distracted people to present people? Father, we invite you now. Would you come, even through a screen? Would you speak to us? by your word in the scripture, by your spirit? Would you do a work of transformation? Truly, would you help us, help us to become people who are focused upon you, present to one another? We need your help, Lord. I need your help. 
It's in Jesus' name. Amen. This past Wednesday, we entered into a season in the Christian church calendar that we know as Lent. It begins on Ash Wednesday, and it goes into the celebration of Easter, where we celebrate the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And you've probably heard, and, or maybe even you have participated in Lent, and you've heard people say, I'm going to give up chocolate, or I'm going to give up alcohol. And Lent is a giving up, but it's also a giving too. In the fourth century, when the church popularized this idea of Lent, that was the emphasis, was it was a giving up, but it was a giving to. It was giving to the poor. It was giving to focus on Jesus. One author said this about Lent. They said, Our self-sacrifices serve no purpose unless by laying aside this or that desire, we are able to focus. We're able to focus on our heart's longing, unity with Christ. In him, in Jesus, in his suffering and death, his resurrection and triumph, we find our truest joy. Lent is a giving up of or an unsubscribing, if you will. We're going to call this series that we're in unsubscribed. It's a, it's a giving up, but it's also a giving to. A giving to our focus. A giving to others. A giving to a life in Christ. And so we want to do that together as a church. We're going to provide for you some resources on our website. We're going to, uh, we have a, a page that's menlo.church forward slash Lent. And there's some guides uh, for your each week to guide you into scripture, to guide you into relationship with God. And the ser- sermon series Again, we're going to unsubscribe each week. We're going to talk about unsubscribing from something that we might subscribe to the way of Jesus. And today, what I want to talk about is unsubscribing from the distractions and subscribing to a life in Christ, a life of being present, a life of being with him. And so our focus will be on being present to one another and being present to God. First, being present to one another. And I just want to I want to talk about this quickly. Two things to help us be present with one another. The first, and I got to say it cuz 2617 times we touch our phone. We got to do something about the phone right? We got to bury it in the bottom of our purse. (laughs) We've got to get one of those phone jails off of Amazon and stick it in there. We need to declare that when we have meals with others, whether it's out at a restaurant or together in our homes, we've got to declare meals as no phone zones. They can be fun zones, but not phone zones, right? No devices after 5 p.m we got to silence it. We need to turn off the notifications. 
I do this and then I don't do it and then I do it. But one of the things that's been most helpful is when I take my work email off my phone. Right? To be present with one another is to unsubscribe from being addicted to this thing, to putting it away, to setting it aside. The other way that we are present to one another is by asking questions. We've talked about this a lot in the last few weeks. We had a whole series on loving one another, right? The I love you but series. And I think we even talked about this in the series, but one of the ways that we're present to one another is we ask questions and we listen. We ask questions and we listen. I'll never forget a mentor of mine telling me this story. He had uh, recently retired. His wife was still working. And so uh, he was trying to kind of figure out uh, how, to, how to make his retirement purposeful. And this tells you how long ago this was. A new thing had popped up in his neighborhood. Uh, that new thing was the Starbucks. <laughs> and so this mentor of mine, Neil, he started going to the Starbucks every morning to read his paper and to read his Bible and just spend time with the Lord. And he would go very early and he started to notice that the same group of people were there at that time in the morning. And so he would strike up conversation. He'd uh, started getting to know some folks and he got to know this one guy who was um, a business guy. He was young. He was in finance. He had little kids. He was married. And as Neil got to know him through their little encounters at Starbucks, uh, the guy began to share some of his story, and he was struggling. Lots of demands at work, little kids at home, a marriage that was kind of rocky. And so Neil said to him, he said, I, I would love to hear more of your story. I'd love to be a friend who could just listen. And this guy said, BS. Nobody listens. Nobody listens. And Neil said, would you give me a chance? How about if one morning a week we, we spend just this time together and would you allow me to just ask questions and to listen? Three months, let's just try it. And so they did. And this friendship began, and soon Neil and his wife were having this guy and his wife into their home. And this couple came to know Jesus, came into relationship with Christ. Their marriage began to move forward in health. And I don't want to just tie this up with a neat bow. But it is a powerful story. It is a powerful thing to be a person who listens I think the church could change the world if we would be a people who listen. You see, the secret sauce of relationships, the secret sauce of being present with others is curiosity. That's uh, something another mentor of mine has tried to drive into my life. He says often to me, and I need this advice, he says, be careful about giving advice. You see, 
oftentimes when we give advice, it's received as critique if the person didn't ask for it especially. Hear a need and ask a question. Hear a frustration and ask a question. Is there something to fix, something you hear them telling you that you just want to dive in and fix? Don't do it. Oh, I got to resist this so often. Don't do it. Ask a question. Be curious. What do they think? Why? What would they do? Being present with one another requires us to put away the distractions. It it invites us to be curious people. And then we want to be present to God, right? In the introduction to a fantastic little book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, John Ortberg asks this question. John wrote the introduction to the book. And in response to that statistic about the, how often we touch our phones, he says this, what would my life be like if God touched my mind as frequently as I touched my phone? What would my life be like if God touched my mind as frequently as I touch my phone? Author Dallas Willard He wrote about a man who desired to be present with God, a man who who desired to put into practice, how could I think about God? And he wanted wanted to do this one second for every minute. And that seems out of my even comprehension. But, But this man wanted to think about God one second out of every minute. And I guess he put it into practice. And Willard writes that, Um, After four weeks, this man said this. He said, I feel simply carried along each hour, doing my part in a plan which is far beyond myself. This sense of cooperation with God in little things is what so astonishes me. I must work to be sure, but there is God working along with me, that we would invite God into every part of our life whether we're driving our car or changing a diaper or going to work or writing a check or all the things that we turn our focus, our attention on to God. I've been trying this as I, um, as I was preparing for this and that, that phone stat, that 2,617 times thing really got me. And so this probably sounds kind of cheesy and probably is kind of silly. But I decided to change the wallpaper on my phone. Just a little way to do kind of what that guy did in trying to think about uh, God every second and every minute. Some people I know, you know, set a beeper on their phone or make their, or their watch or make it vibrate. But I thought, I'll just stick, um, I'll do it to change my wallpaper. And so I put on my wallpaper this phrase that I've been asking God as a question in my time with the Lord in the mornings when I'm praying. I've been trying to not just talk at God and give him my list, but I've been trying to ask questions. And so I've been making it a habit to say, Jesus, how do you see this? 
Jesus, how do you see this circumstance? How do you see this relationship? How do you see this? And so I put that question on my phone. So when I pick up my phone, there it is, this question. Jesus, how do you see this? We need help to set our focus and our attention upon Jesus. The spiritual practice that we want to put into place this week, it's in our resources on our website, on the Lent website, uh, is a simple breath prayer. And we want to practice that even just right now. And it's the opportunity to think of a word or a phrase or a scripture that would focus our attention on God. Maybe it's just something that we breathe out the distraction and we breathe in God's presence. And I want to give you a moment just to practice that now.
And then as often as you remember that word today, you just breathe it out in a prayer. Maybe you put something in your pocket or on your phone or on your watch to remind you of that word, that phrase, to draw your attention, to be present with God that we would be a people who unsubscribe from all those distractions and describe, subscribe to the presence of God. It, it, it's the way of Jesus, actually. It struck me as I was preparing for this. There's this moment in Jesus's life when he's filled with angst, when the circumstances are overwhelming, when he has sorrow, and he goes to the presence of the Father. He asked God to refocus him. The passage is found in Mark chapter 14. It's in other places in other gospels, but in Mark 14, it says this. It says, they went to the place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, Jesus said. Stay here and keep watch. I love this. I love that Jesus asked his disciples to pray for him. That's what it means to keep watch. Stay here in a state of prayer. Pray for me. And of course, there's the mystery here of the Trinity and uh, Jesus, who is 100% God and 100% man. But in this moment, in his humanity, he says to his friends, would you pray for me? And Jesus goes aside and and it says that uh, he's going a little further. Jesus fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. This hour of going to the cross, of going to a death, that this circumstance would be changed. Jesus is asking for that to change. Verse 36, he says, Abba, Father, there's this intimacy, that language of Abba, Daddy. Jesus said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. See, the cup, Jesus knew in the Old Testament, when the cup is referred to, it's primarily referred to as the wrath of God. And Jesus knew that when he was going to go to the cross, It wasn't going to just be a death that expressed love and was nice, which it was an expression of love for sure. But it was a moment in history and time when God himself, God in the flesh, Jesus, would absorb the just wrath that would be poured into him, the just judgment that would not be poured on me, would not be poured on you, but would be absorbed by Jesus. And Jesus said, take this cup from me. But then he prayed that refocusing prayer 
Yet not what I will, but what you will. Not my will, God, but yours. Not all these distractions, but you. And the interesting thing is that God didn't change the circumstance. God didn't remove the cup. God the Father said to God the Son, no. But something happened in that moment. We know it from the author of Hebrews who tells us that something shifted in Jesus. Because it says to us in Hebrews that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. That sorrow was turned into joy. Jesus endured the cross, scorning the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus' fear and anxiety and angst were transformed. They were changed because he became present with the Father. And the invitation to us in Hebrews is for in the same way that Jesus turned his focus to the Father, that we would turn our focus to the Son, that we would turn our focus to Jesus, because that whole passage says it this way. It says in Hebrews 12, starting in verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us throw off all the distractions, everything that takes us away from God. Let's throw off all those things and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, consider Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Church, Let's be a people that unsubscribes this week from the distractions, subscribes to being present to one another, being present to God for his glory and for our good, that we might fix our eyes upon him.